Hello and welcome to the Root Simple Podcast. We're the audio companion to the Root Simple blog, where we cover gardening, home economics, and DIY living. This show is hosted by myself, Eric Knudsen, and Kelly Coyne. We are the authors of The Urban Homestead and Making It, Radical Home Ec for a Post-Consumer World. Our topic this week is daily meal and party planning with our guest, Jenny Cook. All right. Welcome, Jenny, to the Root Simple Podcast. Well, thanks so much, neighbors. This nice is, to be yeah, here. Neighbors. Uh, this is episode number 50. I can brag. Wow. This is a milestone. It is a milestone. And for the milestone, we have chef, author, caterer, and awesome neighbor, Jenny Cook, on to talk about home food preparation and parties and making food at home. So let's start right off by just... Uh, Maybe you could say a little something about yourself. You run a awesome catering company. I I, I, I try to conspire to end up at events that <laughs> you're catering. But I like that. I like that about you. It's always nice to see you in the crowd yeah, supporting me. You wonder why there. you see him so much. I could care He's less hungry. about the event. Yeah. You know, but it's it's it, that you're there cooking. But before that you ran a restaurant. Too. I had a restaurant for eleven years in Culver City. I've been doing catering for about thirty years and I also did um home delivery foods and I also have three kids and a darling husband of 35 years. So I've been busy along the way. I closed the restaurant in 2008 and kind of had to reinvent myself and my love for catering. And I uh, took lots of long walks in Elysian Park with my dog and, and, and danced in nature and decided that actually I have a really good thing going here. And I was going to give it my all and uh, recreate myself as a local caterer. So I... Uh, invented a division called plant-based parties where I do a lot of vegan cuisine for people that don't eat meat. And then I also decided to focus on weddings and I'm having a blast. Yeah. uh, A little out of order, I guess, but that vegan based food that you do, I've had that too. And it, you know, I got to say, it doesn't taste like vegan-based food. <laughs> well, <laughs> not to insult every vegan chef yeah, out there. <laughs> seriously, that's like, what, like, what are your conceptions? Do you have old conceptions, like nineteen seventies hippie conceptions exactly. of of hippie I bowl food? I think your your vegan and vegetarian dishes are just very, very rich and very satisfying. I mean, they're not trying to imitate. You know, the the worst thing is when vegetarian food tries to imitate meats and things. You like know, that, I, that, you and know. that's that's funny you say that because that's the one thing I don't use. I don't use any fake meats. And Unless yeah. the client requests it, but yeah. they really sing. I don't know they just are full of flavor. Like your your vegan lasagnas are amazing. You know, so Thank you. yeah. What lessons have you learned as you transition? Because you were an omnivore chef. Well, you yes, still I are. Still you still yes, are. But yeah. as you develop that specialty, um, how? What, what did you learn along the way about making it delicious? I learned that you cannot have too many vegetables on the same plate. And I also learned that the vegetables are very limiting. So things repeat a lot. So like when you're cooking an omnivore meal, we were just saying like meat and three, you don't want, you know, your zucchini and your salad and in your side vegetables and in your meat. That's okay mm-hmm. in vegan food. You can really move things around and, and double things up. And everything's very pliable. Like you don't really have an entree and you don't really have side dishes. They're all like, you know, all the foods fitting together to make a nice meal. So it's you really 
I really had to think differently about how I was putting food together. So I use the same. I have a when I do parties, I have like a, a little formula I use. We put together seven things. One of them's a salad. One of them's bread, and then two meats and the entrees and a starch. So adds up to seven things. So with the vegan food, I do the same thing. But when I get to the vegetables, I do one potato, one bean, and one pasta. And then, you know, if it does, if I don't want to do a pasta, maybe I'll do a farro or I'll or substitute something that way. So I look more at what your entrees would be and, and pick those first. Now, let's get back to that meat and three thing. Mm-hmm. And you, you, and three. We talked a little bit about it before we started rolling here. Now, I think of that as a Southern. As thing, a Southern concept. Three. So, but what is it? You use it as an organizing principle. Actually. Well, yeah, we um, as caterers, you know, we uh, there's a group of us on Facebook and we talk a lot and uh, we all sort of have our own formulas. And meat and three is that that old concept. If you have a salad, an entree, a starch and a vegetable, your dinner is complete. So a lot of people expect that from a party or from a meal out. It's it, you know, it lives on meat and three lives on. But we were talking earlier as well that I really feel three things make a meal. You have your protein source, you have your vegetables, and then you have your carb or your you know salad if you're you know going carb free like so many people are these days, which I don't understand. And I think we really need to get more simplified in the kitchen and do a little less in order to eat better. Now, does this apply to day to day meals at home? Well, you know, it it is a it's an embarrassing thing. My <laughs> my my pantry at home. My husband could live on crackers and peanut butter. <laughs> And when I get home from work, you know, chances are I fed 200 people on an average a day. And, you know, I kind of look at food. I'm like, I'm done with that. Yeah, so you're on your own. <laughs> you don't bring him leftovers? I do. It I might. try. I try, I would Kelly. be so fat if I lived with you because <laughs> I'd be like, bring home more leftovers, Jenny. Well, and <laughs> that's the problem. sheet of that lasagna? <laughs> the lasagna. The lasagna is a problem. Yeah, that's the problem because it just, it gets very hearty. If you keep bringing home the leftovers, because the things that are left are traditionally the meats and the carbs. You know, the vegetables don't hold up. The salad gets wilty. Those end up, you know, getting composted. So you end up with a lot of really starchy things. So I do try to keep lots of fresh vegetables in um, in the pantry. I always try to eat a salad once a day, you know, whether I'm at work or here. And the one thing I do, the tip that I will do that um, say that works for me is coming back from the farmer's market, turning on the oven, pulling out two large cookie sheets and roasting a ton of vegetables. And I'll have them for all week. I'll put them in my salad. I'll I'll make a meal of them. The other thing I love is homemade mayonnaise. So that to me makes everything better. And a plate of roasted vegetables and homemade mayonnaise. Oh, yeah, I'm so good. happy. How do you make your homemade mayonnaise? I do it in the that? blender. I do I do two egg yolks and I do about a half tablespoon of uh, spite the spicy mustard, spiciest one we have. I've also made it with yellow mustard in a pinch. Um, juice of a lemon, which is about two tablespoons, and about a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar. And then I drizzle in probably about a half a cup, three-quarter cup. It's really egg yolky, and um, I like it kind of firm. Um, if I'm making, So I make about a cup at a time. And I have to make a cup at a time because when I eat it, I like like three-quarters of a cup. <laughs> but if I make four cups at a time, I will use three cups because I just think it's like mana. I, I, mayonnaise just makes me happy. It makes me happy, too. It's a good yeah. thing. <laughs> No, we talked a little bit about the, what do you call it, Kelly, the quesadilla hole? Oh, well, now you're yeah. bringing out our dirty. Yeah, ha, 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 ha. When we fall into mm, lazy times or busy times busy. around the house, sure. sometimes it's lazy, though. I got to admit, there's, I, sometimes I love cooking and I spend mm-hmm. a lot of time in the kitchen and I'm experimenting and I'm really having fun with it. And other times I'm just like, 
yeah, I cannot be bothered with this. <laughs> so, um, and that's what we call the quesadilla hole, is we make a lot of quesadillas, which is just embarrassing. I don't even know why Eric's bringing it up. We have, an, we have, a, we have a reputation here. Well, and, and, it, it relates to what we were talking <laughs> about, meal planning, because yeah. you had a... You have a big family. It was three, three kids? I did, three yeah. Kids, there right? are, nobody's in the house now, right. but yeah. But yeah. So yeah, when you've family. got kids, you can't, well, I guess you could still voice quesadillas on them. But no, did you, you sure teach can. them to cook young so that maybe all you my could kids, enslave them in the kitchen? Yeah, no, no. But they didn't cook for us. But all <laughs> my kids learn how to cook. And, you know, honestly, my daughters are, um, you know, 28 and 29. So they were raised on pizza and peanut butter sandwiches and um, Happy Meals. It was mm-hmm. before we all realized that... Um, me, uh, food matters so much. I was just like, this is so convenient. Let's just have pizza again. Yeah. <laughs> but you do say in your book, you, you really believe in starting the kids young and helping it's them help so in the important. kitchen. It right? is so important. And my my kids always were in the kitchen and I started catering in my house. So they all, you know, push that stool you're sitting on right up into the, the kitchen sink. And they would they, they all know how to make whipped cream. They're all very proud of their whipped cream making skills. <laughs> and they know how to use several different knives, different cuts, and how to saute. My uh, son does a triple dip chicken that he made for his roommates in college that just, they were just like, I, I know what to do, Mom. I'll make them the chicken. They, they always go my way when I make them the chicken. <laughs> so... <laughs> But now, do you have any advice for families? I mean, you know, the nice thing is we're, we're being honest here because it's not, you know, there's no perfect world, right, where you can prepare every, like, this fine meal, three three meals a day. People are working, they have kids, yeah. right? Uh, do you have some advice? For well, we were talking to... about what are your staples. And I think mm-hmm. people, are, people get very um, hard on themselves and they don't want to make their staples. I mean, in this house, we have a pasta night. We do, um, I do stir fry a lot. Um, I'll do uh, pan-fried chicken breast, I'll do sautéed tempeh, and then I'll just stick vegetables in the oven, and that's what it is. Sweet potatoes, put it in the oven, that's what it is. It's food that works, that's ready, you know, quick, very simple, but it's the same stuff over and over again, but it works. So I think everybody needs to be a little less um, challenging to to themselves and remember those things like, oh my God, my family loved when I made that. They love Mm -hmm. stir-fried broccoli with cashews. I'm going to make that again. Do you think the celebrity chef culture, all the television shows and things like that have made people have unreasonable expectations? Yes. And it's poison, Kelly. The amount of fat and the calories that they are producing on those shows makes me ill when I watch it. I'm like, this is terrible. They should have a calorie count Mm -hmm. at the end of the show. I mean, honestly, I was watching Giada the other day with my daughter and my, uh, and she looks at her and she says, she's so skinny. And then she's taking this big thing of, of whipped cream pudding and eating it and saying how youngy. And she's like, she's not really eating that. (laughs) And my daughter's a very bright girl but you look at that i mean the 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 what they're doing is they're creating a, a perception that's false mm-hmm. you know it's like you can be skinny and eat this you can't so they're making unhealthy foods but they're also making very uh kind of challenging foods often i mean they're usually the kind of complex recipes and 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 putting up this expectation that every Dinner should be every meal should be like that, yeah. yeah. And that should have all those components and to it. And it should be different every night. And it should be a big thrill true. every time. Not true. It yeah. should be healthy every night. It should be full of of healthy fats and lots of fiber and you know a moderate amount of protein. And it should be healthy. 
And celebrity chefs are not cooking healthy food. Every time I look at, um, what's her name, Ina Gartner, I worry about her in the kitchen. She's so heavy. And when she moves, it's like you can almost hear her, like her tr- troubled breathing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, she should not be working with this heavy cream right now. Mm-hmm. And nobody talks about that. Thank you for bringing that up. (laughs) (laughs) How do you manage leftovers? This is a thing that, you know, our refrigerator is kind of like an archaeological dig sometimes. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. That's so disgusting. (laughs) Is that not the case over here? Well, we're trying to learn to be better, to not waste food, because food wasting has been much on my mind lately. You know, so we're trying to... So what do you do? You get it and then you don't eat it? I don't understand. We eat our leftovers here. You know, I I, well, to some extent, I blame the fridge, um, because it's a stupid fridge, and it's... so it's stupid. Little, the, I'm blaming the equipment, yeah. and it's there's a dog visiting us. So I'm, I'm <laughs> very distracted. Hi, sweetie. Um, it's a short fridge, and we're tall people. We used to have a brilliant fridge that had the fridge on top and the freezer on the right, bottom, sure. and you could look in. Now you, I have to bend over double to see what's in the fridge, you know. And there's no, you know, we don't have uh, the pantry door kind of fridge or anything. It's just the old-fashioned cheap fridge, and stuff gets weighing back, and you don't even, you can't even see it anymore. There's one crisper drawer. Oh, you I need an intervention equipment. is I what you need. You <laughs> need to take. Equipment. You do need to do that little simple um, cleanse and get everything out of your refrigerator mm. and then put back in only the things that you're using and throw everything else out. Because it, it, you know, it's condiments and compost. That's what yes, I think of it. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. And these things tend to. There's jars and jars, especially since we do a lot of experiments and make stuff. Right. It's you know, like jars with an inch of who knows what yeah, in it. Yeah, you know? not doesn't I, need to be in there. I threw away a lot of it recently. <laughs> I went through. Good. Pretty, but, well, well, how do you manage? <laughs> uh, we, I mean, honestly, we eat our leftovers the day after we start. You know, that we started. So I, they're they're easily incorporated into. To our our lunch and dinners. Uh, also, we cook pretty clean around here, so they're they're very flexible. But even like when we're ordering local Thai, we're we're still eating the leftovers the next day. Um, speaking of cleaning, how much are you? How much are we throwing? I know out? she's yeah. Yeah. No, 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 and then the occasional vegetable that the, gets there's, well, there's the occasional <laughs> potato failed, that goes the, goes that the happens, wrong way. Yeah, yeah. And the yeah. carrots that failed get food preservation project. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. That oh, happens. you know what I do? Failed I'll projects. admit I have a few of those on the back of my <laughs> refrigerator too. It felt good to throw them out. I got to say. <laughs> of course, the secret agenda with us is I'm always thinking because you're right down the street from us. I'm thinking like, don't Jenny's working today at the kitchen? I bet she's got extra food. We could just come over. Right? <laughs> I should just drop by. <laughs> that something of hers like, that I have. Hey, John, I wonder what's on TV tonight. <laughs> <laughs> that I couch that. Really comfortable. It's not that great over <laughs> here for dinner. That's the sad part. <laughs> you have to hang around the back door of yeah, her exactly. catering. You gotta hit, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. However, the parties here I do know about. I don't know about the day-to-day yep. stuff. The party, there's a Christmas party that uh, is like the hot social event of our McCollum neighborhood. Street, of McCollum sure. Street, right? And, <laughs> yeah. um, All of McCollum Street was talking about it. <laughs> Such a buzz. But 
the nice thing about you know, I don't like actually going out to dinner with large groups of people. It's expensive. Me either. And it's much nicer to be at someone's house. But it, it always, I don't know, it seems intimidating to Kelly and I to throw big parties. And this is a, how many people come to the Christmas Eve party? Okay, the Christmas party is off the hook. That last year, your, um, I think it was your first year here, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, I think we had like 65 people. And wow. typically we, we always say it's going to be 40 or 50. But John has a lot of friends and then... You know, people are in town, relatives are in town, and, and we always have an open-door policy over here. We, we just, you know, there's always room for one more at the table. So, yeah, that was a big one that you were here for. You want to say something about how one should go about throwing a party? Well, I think it's really important that, again, I think there's a lot of pressure on people to throw good parties. I think uh, social media and cooking shows and television shows make it look that it's all so easy and you're not looking at the behind the scenes part. And it does take a lot to put it together. And I think the most important thing to do is to start small. And I think what the and how you pick how many people you're going to have is the size of your dining room table. How many people can you fit around there comfortably? That's your first dinner party. And you do that a couple of times. And if the first time is you're really nervous about doing it, assign things to your guests. Say, okay, I need you to bring the bread. I need you to bring the salad. There's going to be six people. I'm going to make the entree. I'm going to need you to bring this, you know, the asparagus. And assign that out. And then as you know, do that once and then do it for another group of friends. And then maybe take one thing off of the list that you're going to make yourself. And just sort of ease into having people over. When you're having a big party, I mean, I that Christmas party, that's pretty special. I mean, we eat filet mignon and fancy au gratin potatoes, and there's champagne flowing. And I'm a caterer, so it's I have help. That's true. <laughs> you know, I have a lot of people backing me up. So those big parties, and um, I know you have one coming up. It's difficult to pull together by yourself. So you really have to rely on your food community to say, hey, I'm having this big party. Can you bring cupcake? My mom had a huge party at the 4th of July every year. By the time I left the house, I think there were probably close to 200 people coming. Wow. But she, the month before the party, she writes out all, it was, you know, the old-fashioned way, an invitation that you get in the mail. And she'd say, and she has this, put a stamp on it, and she'd say, please bring a half a watermelon filled with fruit salad. Please bring three dozen deviled eggs. And she had the menu all picked up. And then she had, we had this huge patio by our pool area. And you would look out and you'd see 20 dozen deviled eggs there. And it was just, oh, wow. you never That's want like to. paradise. I know. It was such a heavenly <laughs> party, Kelly. I got to tell you. But that doing that kind of organization going in makes a huge difference. Don't be afraid to ask for help. That's the most important thing about having a party. And the other thing that I need to touch on is the way food lasts. Everybody thinks you have to put it out at the last minute or it's not going to be fresh or it's not going to be good. Food has a far greater shelf life than we realize, uh, especially for like those hours that you're having a party. Of course, you don't want to get anyone sick. You want to keep proper temperatures and what have you. But you can prepare food long before the guests get there and just give it a little reheat in the oven with a little tin foil at 200 degrees, you know? Keep it in the refrigerator, right? And then reheat No, it. heat it up, oh, put it on okay. top of the stove. Guests get there, just give it another little reheat. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. Wow, yeah. See? So how long can you leave it just sitting out there on the stove? For a pretty long time, Cal. That's oh. what I'm saying. So you could yeah, do there's that. there's no room in the fridge no, for No, there's no stuff, room. You and you could, do, you could finish cooking it, say, that day at 4 o'clock. Just put it out. 
It doesn't need to go in the refrigerator. And come on, we're fermenters. We know it's okay for food to sit for a minute. It's not going to, you know, poison and curdle in a couple of hours. There And there is that thing where if you put it in a refrigerator and the heat doesn't get uh, – it doesn't start to cool in a proper way, like things grow in the middle of it. So mm. it's kind of a tricky thing. In the business, the – uh, the uh, food business, you're supposed to let it come down to room temperature before you refrigerate it. And it uh, can take a long time for something to come down to room temperature. At like if you've got like yeah. a big uh, pile of stew or chili or something. Rice, yeah. It just sit there and hold temperature probably for a good while. Yes, it will. And that's the other thing people don't realize. They're like, well, it's not going to be hot. You know, it's like, yes, it will. It'll hold its. If you have a five, 10 quart thing of stew, a big old pot of stew, it's going to keep its heat for a couple hours mm. without heat on it. Mm. You can also put things in a thermos. Like if you have a cold thermos, you can put your stews and your rice in there to keep it warm if you cook it off in the middle of the afternoon. Well, that's a good idea. Now, before we began rolling, you mentioned a party where you learned a lot of lessons. There was a party party. that went bad. You want to talk a little bit about that party? Uh, That was back in the 80s. Yes, I remember (laughs) that party. We had just moved into this fine, fine house that we're sitting in now, and we invited everybody that we knew to this party. And I was a new caterer. I had only been working, you know, maybe one or two years. And all my kids were little. I think I only had two kids at that point. They were both babies. I was in my late 20s, I guess. And I decided I was going to pull out all the stops and do all my fanciest catering food for, the, for all my friends at this party. And I was working out of the house at my time with my illegal catering business. So I had all my – everything was here. All of my equipment was here and all my, my big refrigerators I had in the garage. And, and I was, I was well-stocked. But I didn't have any help, and I picked all of these worky entree uh, appetizers, and it was a dis- an emotional disaster <laughs> for me. I was what they say in the business in the weeds the entire time. I felt like I was throwing food at the guests because I, I just I couldn't keep up with the amount of food that I thought I should be putting out, with how many guests were there, with the timing. Everything was wrong. Everything was wrong. And um, nobody, I said earlier too, nobody, nobody, nobody noticed. So I feel like I was covering had I, had I just stood there and cried for a second, I probably would have gotten help, (laughs) but I was a caterer and I was supposed to be able to take care of this. So So you were doing it all by yourself, all by myself. Well, my family, my husband was there and I had friends and stuff, but they were kicking back waiting for appetizers to come back. It was also (laughs) the hottest day of the year. The candles were literally melting in the candlesticks and it was like 108. It was one of those terrible, yeah, mid-September. And and then I at that point in my life I'm like I will never entertain again, and I will only cater for other people. And you know, then we have the Christmas party for seventy people. But now I have help. See how it's all about lessons, yeah, or or about dialing back. Dialing what back you and think learning. You need to yeah. do. I think again with the celebrity chef thing, we think we need to do a lot, like fancy appetizers, multiple appetizers, perhaps different courses, and like you were just saying, three things makes a meal, right? I could have put out lasagna, a salad, and a uh, you know garlic bread, and people would have been very happy. As long as there was cake. Is a cake. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. Because I, I love one of my favorite quotes from your book is, a, a party without cake is just, just a, a meeting. meeting. <laughs> Julia Child. Got to love her. Is that, oh, that's it's just Julia. so fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the people, we, you remember Bean Friday? Or no, no, oh, no yeah. Bean Friday was the on the blog, but right. Bean Suppers. Oh, yeah. We tried, we, to, do, we, uh, we tried to address this. Right. We Good for you. What you this. do? What you do? Tell we, me. We had bean-based uh, suppers, very simple 
meals that uh, we did it three times, once at our house and then at someone else's it's house. Sort of too, a, right? It was a rotating party, but we said, okay, we can do dinner parties if we don't have to work because we, you know, we, were, we were addressing our fear of entertaining. Right. You know? And so did it we help? were trying, it did. We were like, you know, because we were talking, it was based on conversations where, you, you know, sometimes you happen to be over at someone's house around supper time and you happen to get fed. Right. You know, and you're just eating what they were going to eat anyway. Right. And it's always really good and really exciting, usually. It is. You know, and, and, they're, and they're always like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, this That's is just a this thing we make. Yeah. And you're like, man. And also, it's just <laughs> so great happy. for someone else to cook for you. Exactly. I mean, you know, who cares what it is? It's I'm not so cooking, true. you know? <laughs> so we were like, well, how, how do we make entertaining as simple as possible? Like, what if you said, I am going to make a pot of beans and you guys can come over. <laughs> it sounds very unfriendly. <laughs> it's like, and, and a part of that, there was a whole set of rules with it. And one was that, you know, you couldn't slave over cleaning the house. You didn't have to tablescape or decorate or anything. It's just like, there would be a pot of beans. We would love your company. You want to bring a bottle of wine. You want to bring a salad. You don't have to bring a salad, you know, but it was sort of like, we're not guaranteeing that you're going to be fed like a king. But we are guaranteeing that we will be happy to see you and you will not be hungry. I guess that, that's the basics. That's of the nice. I suffer. like that. So they always worked out. People would always show up with something, you know, so it's like stone soup. And then, and, and, you know, we would have a, a good simple meal. But back to the Christmas party, another thing about it that I liked is the uh, there's sort of enforced caroling, actually. Yes, there is enforced <laughs> caroling. If you, don't, if you don't carol, you don't get dessert. Exactly right, because we withhold... <laughs> <laughs> you want to say something about the social component of that party because it actually makes it very special. It, um, you know, it was my husband's idea years ago, and he said, "We, we, let's carol." And I thought, "You're a dork." No, <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it." And and honestly, we've been doing the party as long as we've lived on McCollum Street, and we've caroled every year. And it is, it's a, you know, it just. It, it hits a nerve in people. They either positively love it or the idea of singing in the streets with other people terrifies them so much they have to leave before we carol. Right. And two of my best friends are like, I said, no, no, we're not going to sing in the streets. It's a crazy lady there. And I'm like, you're my best friend. Take this flashlight and get out there. And they just, you know, they won't do it. So it's really fun. We do a very short loop around two blocks, and we have our, our tried and true fans, and we have the people that shut the light out on us. So we are, you know, it's always a humbling experience and also very celebratory. Cause. But there is also a family that remembers it every year, and they, they bring they cookies. Have stuff, right? They have There's cookies. They all come out. They, right. they videotape us. They just, that we all, Aww. as soon as we turn the corner on Reservoir, we're like, our favorite house is coming up because <laughs> we all know they like us because the same people come to the party every year. <laughs> so we kind of we fake it all until we get to their house because that's our favorite house. And at the end, there's an amazing dessert buffet. I mean, but you are a caterer. I so. am a caterer. And um, I do, uh, my sticky toffee pudding is uh. something that must be had every year. And then we do a, a ton of cookies. And, you know, I love my C's candy and my chocolate because it's Christmas time. So, yeah, we put out the sweets. <laughs> it's a great party. Uh, Kelly, is there anything you want to ask about the book? We should talk about the book a little yeah. bit, actually. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. You want to say Let's something about, about the, book. The, the book? It's called Who Wants Seconds? So appropriate. My <laughs> husband's, again, his, his brainchild. Uh, why did you write a book? 
I wrote a book because, as my daughter, Lindsay, said to me once, she said, Mom, you've been writing a book for 30 years. And I said, you're right. What, what, I might as well put it all together. And because my, you're so full of advice. So full of it. I am so <laughs> full of advice. Uh, but honestly, I think every caterer is always writing a book because we have those recipes that are tried and true and people are always asking for them. Oh, so I, I I've so always had have... that, like a running collection of if I ever wrote a book, I'd have to put this recipe in it. If mm. I ever wrote a book, these I'm going to have to put a section in on party planning. Um, and my girlfriend, Colleen, is a publisher and, um, I am a visual uh, journaler artist, and I always make cards for my girlfriends on their birthday. And one day she was at her desk, and she had one of my cards above her desk, and they were looking at um, what ideas that she was kicking around with her publishing people. And she said, I think it's time for Jenny to do that book. So she, I think she approached me in November, and it was went to press in June. So it was a really quick Very turn. Fast. Yeah, it was really Very quick. Fast. Super fun and a challenging experience, and I'm really glad I did it. It's like my most favorite calling card to say to people, here is all of my best recipes from the past 30 years. And I get to tell stories about um, my family, and I get to tell stories about healthy eating and, and changes, and, and I get to share lots of vegan recipes. Yeah, it's full of, of tidbits and treasures and, like you said, stories about the family. And, and, it, and it's also written at, at a level for beginners, so you don't have to be a fancy cook it is It to... is a first, like an entry-level um, yeah. chef or cook. And I always, I, I think that those are the ones that need the cookbooks mm -hmm. and the direction and the confidence. Because I really talk a lot about the book about just doing it and trying this and, and keeping it simple. And the recipes are very simple and very um, successful. So, and there are, there's meat recipes in it as well. And there's lots of cheese and stuff. It's not just vegan. And there's booze. There's, oh, there's some good <laughs> booze recipes in there. We like booze. Caterers like booze and my Bowen family likes booze too. And some of your, your advice also was to have a little tipple. When you're working in the kitchen. It works out much better. When you see, you, you calm down a little bit. Things go a little easier. People come in and it doesn't stress you out. I, 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 I like to drink, Kelly, so <laughs> I do recommend it. <laughs> I have been at some dinner parties where the chef drinks a little too much. You I've know, been to that those kind too. Of, where yeah. you've got like a bowl of like say pistachios on the table and nothing else and the <laughs> chef is like two bottles in and you're still waiting for and food it's like looking yeah. like maybe you'll eat at 10 maybe you'll eat 11 <laughs> yeah that's a bad that's that's a sad sad party there's, there's those kinds of parties but that wouldn't happen at your house one of our favorite things in the book is you have a guide to the advice because there's a there's a <laughs> there's separate an index, index, it's an for an index the, the to the advice in the back to, of the book some of the things that we talked about here but like things like to how to deglaze a pan don't uh, burn your soup. What's that one about? Oh, you know that's tricky, you guys. What and that and that's sort of it's um, it's a rookie mistake a lot. What what happens is once you get a lot of things in the soup pot and then you turn it up high and you're not there scraping the bottom. Oh yeah, yeah. Things get stuck on the bottom, yeah. and you can do like a little bit of stick, but then once you burn it and like if you have a rice or a potato, that smell will permeate the soup. And mm -hmm. there's all sorts of old wives' tale. Put a dish towel over it. Put, uh, poke holes in a potato and put that in. It will absorb the burn. It, none of it works. Once it's burned. Once it's burned, it's burned. You have to throw it out. So you really have to be careful about um, scraping the bottom when you have a thick, dense soup. And, and watching 
watching your pot. If you if your soup is brothy or you're just making, you know, broth, it's you're fine. It's the it's the thickness. Once you add like coconut milk or cream or potatoes, rice, excessive carrots, a lot of meat, you know, barley. Yeah. Yeah, that's when I believe I've done that. Yeah, oh, I've done that too. That's (laughs) oh my god, we have all. Yeah, we have all done it. That's not to drink. That's the moment not to drink is when you're doing a thick soup. It sounds like there you go. (laughs) Uh, Food swaps. What's a food swap? Food swaps. You know, can I tell you? I have yet to attend a food swap. (laughs) I just I covet them, and I really want to go to one. And I know friends have them all the time. Emily Ho, uh, one of our our local girl, organizes a lot of them. Uh, Sarah um, Spitz was at my kitchen at their collective last week. She's like, great, I'm going to a food swap. I'm like, tell me all about it. So basically a food swap is you take your, your homemade food or your, you know, whatever it is that you like to make, your, your cookies, your jam, your, your switchels or your shrubs, your bread, and you go for other people who are bringing their food and you swap the items around. So um, people have, are doing them with combination of clothing swaps mm-hmm. and uh, book swaps and sharing the food. And wh- I have a friend from uh, Portland um, and Marisha. She's like, every event should be a sweet seed swap. You should at every event, you should just take seeds and people should swap their seeds. And I'm like, that's a brilliant idea. It's just encouraging food. At any event. Thank you. Bring our stuff and swap our food, swap Swap our our seeds, whatever. Whatever. Like, yeah, I have this thing. What do you got? (laughs) I was going to make a bad joke, but I won't make that joke. (laughs) Spouses? Yeah, swap our spouses. We're not going to go there. Um, maybe you haven't done a food swap, but I just remember you did something incredible in this neighborhood, which was just to throw a party for the neighbors. Yes. You want to oh, say yeah. something about that? Because it really, you know, it broke the ice. It did break the ice, didn't and it? now yeah. I, like, I know the people down the street. And I don't know. I found it really powerful because, you know, it, it's a nice neighborhood. There's not a lot of sniping back and forth. But there was some misunderstanding about parking spaces and stuff oh, like my that gosh, was yeah. going on, right? Yeah. But it really smoothed that out nicely. You want to say something about that party? It was a really nice party, simple We party. did desserts and yeah. um, champagne at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I like to call a party at 3 o'clock in the afternoon after lunch, before dinner. No one expects much of anything. So right. you guys were so blown away because I had, like, cookies and cake. Mm-hmm. I had cake. I know a party, mm-hmm. Katie, <laughs> Kelly. And um, I had champagne, and everybody brought a little something to add to the table. And what really inspired that um, idea was when my kids were growing up here, we knew everybody on the block because my catering kitchen was here too. And they were always playing in the hose or running around. And I was explaining where I lived one time and someone said, oh, you're the house on the corner with the naked kids in the yard. I'm like, (laughs) oh, oh, yes, actually, that is me. But we knew everybody. And I came in and I was crabby at at our buddy Henry over here. For one reason, I said to John, I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm, you know, I'm afraid to say something to him because I don't know him and I want to get to know our neighbors. So I made a little flyer and I spread it out. Just I just did our block, both sides of our block and put it in everybody's mailbox and people came. And I think everybody that came is so glad that they did. And the funny thing about it is 
um, you know, because of our crazy dog that gets out all the time. We know a few of the neighbors up there. And they'd see Maisie walking. They're like, oh, my God, thank you for having that party. We didn't get to come, but I hope you do it again. I'd really like to connect with the neighbors. So at some point, we will do it again. But mm-hmm. it's just, it was, I was, I was, I'm so glad you felt the same way. Because I was just like, thank, I'm glad that happened. Yeah, it was powerful. Actually, it's our turn. We need to do it. We were going to have that place. pizza we party, to remember? Pizza party. Yes, mm-hmm. we need to do that. But we're we're so bad at cleaning the house. That's Don't clean know. the house before a party. Oh. First of all, that is that is the that is the lamest excuse not to get people over <laughs> ever, <laughs> ever. Okay. First of all, no one's looking at your floors and your piles of crap in the corner. They don't care. They are, as Kelly said earlier, thrilled to come have a meal that someone else is cooking. When they're coming, I swear to you, and I say this with all the love of my heart, when people come to eat at your house, they come with love, not judgment. Mm, that's nice And if, if they're coming with judgment, you're inviting the wrong people for crying out loud. That's true. That's true. <laughs> that is a nice way to put it. We can't have like the little Martha Stewart in our head saying, Yeah, you know, see? Saying, Again, ruined. Yeah, ruined by, yeah. from yeah, m- media. Do you have any strategies for cleaning up afterwards? Well, oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, for the most part around here, we wait until the next day. You know, we just got sort of languor in how fabulous we are at giving parties and we drink a little more and, and go around and pick things out of the pan and hang out and just like, like, well, that was great. That was so great. Did you see this? You know, just sort of review the party. Well, in a way, that detrius is like how wonderful the party it is. Kind right? is. Day, it kind of is. It kind of is. So that when is. you come down the next day, you're like, oh, my God, that was a good party. Yeah. I right? should leave so <laughs> someone else cleans up. <laughs> Well, is there anything else, uh, Kelly, you want to ask or anything, Jenny, that you want to add that we didn't talk about? Um, we talked There's about so the things. pizza oven party at your house. I'm oh, glad, yeah, I'm we, glad we got that. that in there. Yes. So, And having that's, parties. That's set, right? We're going to do that, Kelly? Yeah. Okay. See, she is. She's going to mm-hmm. clean the house first. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking about the area where the pizza oven is. It's all full of... It needs a little work it needs right a now. Detrius. Lots of detrius in there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jenny. You are so welcome. Yes, thank you Super very fun. much. That was Jenny Cook. Her company is Jenny Cook's Catering, and the website is JennyCooks.com. That's J-E-N-N-I-E Cooks.com. Her book is Who Wants Seconds? To leave a question for the Root Simple podcast, call us at area code 213-537-2591 or send us an email at rootsimple at gmail.com. We are Root Simple on Twitter. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment for us in the iTunes store. We're also on Stitcher. And you can support the Root Simple podcast by buying a copy of one of our books through the Amazon links on our website. Our theme music is by Dr. Frankenstein. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.